Welcome to Basic Brewing Radio for Thursday, December 8th. I'm James Spencer. Here at Basic Brewing Radio, we're all about home brewing, making beer at home. Well, this week you're invited to come along for a blind mice brew at the house of Casey from Siloam Springs. If you've listened to the early episodes of this podcast, Casey from Siloam Springs, Arkansas was mentioned in a few of our early shows. A few weeks ago, Casey was kind enough to invite me to his house for a big brew, and we'll take you there in just a few minutes. Also, Casey shows us how to make an all-grain starter using a French press coffee maker. Now, before we get into the mailbag, I want to tell you about another project that I've been working on. I produced an audiobook version of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. It will go on sale on a, a site called Telltale Weekly, and it may be out there by the time you hear this. The goal of uh, Telltale Weekly is to produce low-cost versions of works that are in the public domain and release them under a Creative Commons license five years after the initial release of each project. So eventually, these classic works that are in the public domain in print will be available in audio form for free. There's a lot of good stuff on Telltale Weekly, including three other audiobooks of mine. Uh, To learn more, go to telltaleweekly.org or click on the link on the basicbrewingradio.com site in this episode description. Well, the Frapper map continues to grow in popularity. Uh, There are lots of good comments, photos of home brews, home brewers, brewers with their equipment, and even an animated photo of J-Dub in Boise, Idaho, drinking a beer. It looks like a porter. Uh, I appreciate everybody taking time to participate And, um, you know, I don't have any problem getting motivated to produce the next show when I look at all of you out there across the country and around the world, for that matter. And if my server statistics aren't lying, it's still just a fraction of who's out there. So thanks for listening again, and thanks for playing with the uh, Frapper map. And one of these days I'm going to find time to put a a permanent link out there uh, so that we can find it a little easier. It's uh, If you look in the episode description, I think of the episode before uh, last. Uh, speaking of uh, who's uh, out there in uh, in the world, let's look in the mailbag. If you'll remember last week, Matt from Pittsburgh wrote in to ask for advice about boiling extract in a small volume. I gave him advice based on discussions with Bob Hansen from Brees and from reading a couple of articles uh, that if he's only boiling two and a half gallons, he should wait to add his extract until 15 minutes before the end of the boil. That way he'd get better hop utilization and avoid darkening his wort. Well, luckily, John Palmer was listening and took the time to write in to comment. John says that he's concerned that boiling hops in plain water may lead to grassy off flavors from the hops. And I talked to Chris Colby of BYO Magazine this week to interview him for an upcoming show, and he expressed the same concerns. So, based on John and Chris's advice... If you're doing a small volume boil, you may want to add a small amount of extract in the beginning of the boil to avoid getting off flavors from the hops. Chris says that um, even an eighth of your extract uh, would be enough to help out. So apparently apparently it has to do with the pH of the water. Well, after I heard from John, I decided to do an experiment. I wanted to do a small extract brew and add the hops to the plain water to see if I could get those grassy off flavors. John suggested that I do a control batch at the same time to compare, and that's a a wise suggestion, I think. So here's what I did. I started with three quarts of water in each of two pots. I brought them up to a boil, adding one quarter ounce of Cascade hops to each. I think the uh, 
the alpha acid was uh, 6.9% on those. Boiling, um, I boil only in plain water in one at the beginning and two cups of uh, light dry malt extract in the other. And after 45 minutes, I added uh, two cups of extract to the first pot. At the end of an hour, I cooled them down and pitched uh, California ale yeast from a starter I'd made the day before. So they're happily fermenting and growlers now, and uh, I hope to have the results from the little experiment uh, next week. Well, Matt also had a, a follow-up question that I forwarded to uh, Dave Logston of Y Yeast. Matt was concerned about the effects of oxygen that might find its way into beer at bottling time, no matter how careful you might be to avoid it. He asks if the yeast would consume this oxygen in the bottle, or would it stick around to harm the beer? And here's what Dave had to say. He said, live yeast that are in bottled beer with added or residual fermentables will re-ferment in the bottle and utilize much or all of the oxygen that is present. By allowing less than normal headspace in the bottle upon filling, about half an inch, most if not all of the oxygen will be reduced effectively. Dave says this will minimize oxidation of the beer. The amount of splashing or otherwise exposure of the beer to air should be kept to a minimum, but overall will have minimal impact on the beer stability. Refermentation in the bottle alone provides substantially more stability than commercial-type beers bottled without yeast. Uh, Dave continues to further answer your questions. The yeast actually respirate or take up the oxygen and commence to ferment the residual sugars. Dave ends by saying, no worries. So, it sounds like you should keep from splashing around in the beer, but if you don't have more than normal bottle headspace, the yeast should take care of any oxygen that's introduced as a byproduct of the uh, bottling procedure. And thanks again to uh, Dave Loxton of Y Yeast for being such an excellent resource for this show. Jeremy from uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, says he's a beginning home brewer and asks for help in making a starter We talked a bit in our shows with Dave about starters, but I don't think we went into detail on how to make one. Uh, There are a few good reasons to make a starter. It gives you assurance that your yeast is viable. It wakes up your yeast and gets it ready to uh, hit the ground running. And it increases the number of yeast cells. There are many ways to do a starter, but here's what I do. I boil half a cup of light dry malt extract in a quart of water for 15 minutes. Uh, Cool it by putting the pan in cold water or, in the summertime, an ice bath, and pour the wort into a sanitized half-gallon growler from our local brew pub. I shake the heck out of it for a minute or so. It doesn't take long with that uh, small volume. Then I uh, pitch the yeast and top it off with a sanitized stopper and airlock. And in a few hours, it starts to bubble, and the next couple of days, the yeast is active and ready to go. Now, this recipe of half a cup of dry extract to a quart of water yields a wort with a specific gravity of around 1.040, or 1040. Some recommend gravities less than that, but that's what works for me. Now, remember, in a few minutes, we'll hear about Casey's method of making a starter out of grain. Now, Brian from Austin, Texas, writes that he's getting into home brewing and wonders whether he can brew small batches to experiment with recipes and ingredients. I told him the only experience I have with small batches is the experiment I told you about a couple of minutes ago. Uh, But I have read about experienced homebrewers making batches of a gallon or two to play around with recipes. Well, if you've brewed small batches yourself and you want to share your experience and advice, we'd love to hear from you. 
You can send your tips on brewing small batches to james at basicbrewing.com or use the contact form on basicbrewing.com. Also, don't forget to send in your holiday brewing wish list. I haven't gotten much response from uh, talking about that last time, but I think it'd be fun to share what gadgets or gizmos you guys are lusting after for your your holiday uh, wish list. If you send those in, uh, I'll share them on the show. Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, this week uh, you're coming along with me to a brew session at the home of Casey from Salem Springs. Casey invited me to brew a few weeks ago at an event with some interesting rules. Each participant was instructed to bring five pounds of base malt, a pound of specialty malt, and a couple of ounces of hops. Then a big brew was made of the ingredients provided. Now, we started the day at a local coffee shop and then went to Casey's house where we had a delicious breakfast and set about unveiling our ingredients. Okay, well, here we are in Salem Springs, Arkansas, at the house of Casey Letelier, from otherwise known as Casey from Salem Springs. As often mentioned in the early uh, podcasts, <laughs> we're finally, we finally get to meet in person. Is it everything you, that you thought it would be? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another listener that I actually have met in person, Brian Warren, from Brian, otherwise known as Brian from Inglewood. Right? That's correct. And uh, we have a new addition. And I, I don't know, are you, are, you, are you a listener, Jason? Are you? I haven't yet. Oh, a future <laughs> listener to the podcast. And inter- introduce yourself. Jason from P. Ridge. Jason from P. Ridge. So, so what are we, what are we doing here, Casey? What is what is the the theory of today? Well, this is this is what we call uh, a blind mice brew that we're doing, and uh, all all four of us today have gotten together, and um, we have sort of the a fourth of the ingredients for a batch of beer, and at this point, um, nobody really knows what anybody else has brought, and, um, and I forgot what I brought, so it'll well, that, be a surprise that to me too. Yeah, <laughs> lots of surprises. <laughs> So, shall we do the unveiling? Sure. So, so I mean, how does this work? Once we get all the ingredients, do we have latitude of saying, oh, maybe we, we don't want to use all of that? Or I think I think we can play a little bit, especially as it comes to, like, hops. I think um, if we all happen to bring high alpha hops, we'll probably um, kind of move them later in the boil so we don't end up with hop juice. <laughs> and we and we don't necessarily have to use all the hops that we brought. Oh, I think we ought to. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> how many? How much hops did you bring, James? It's well, I I only brought two ounces. Oh, okay, that's not so bad. This is actually yeah. the third blind mice brew that we've done. Uh, we started this about a year ago, and uh, that was just a three blind mice, which is kind of how we got that name, um, and that ended up being kind of. I guess we kind of coined that a, uh, what, what did we call that? We called it various things. A gra- we called a it a Grand, grand Crew because yeah. we looked like through all kinds of, that one actually had like spices and molasses and it was, it was a much more of a kitchen sink type of brew, but <laughs> yeah. this one's a little bit more, we kind of said we were probably shooting for a barley wine this time and so we can kind of like adjust our hop strengths and that sort of thing to, to shoot for that, but. We'll find out when we get when we see what who brought what grains and that sort of thing. Well, let let's see what uh, let's see what we we got. Who do you want to who do you want to start with? Um, Jason. Yeah, that sounds good. Jason, show show and tell. Well, where's your I, stuff? Casey, what is this? It's two row. It's two row. Yeah. 
two row. That's good. Uh, I wasn't yes. sure how many I was going to. Five pounds okay. of that. And for a specialty grain, I have a pound of biscuits. Ah. That was within the rules. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Biscuits definitely in there. Yeah. And, well, uh, that, that's good. My hop contribution is Tetnanger. Ah. Pellets is, is what I have. So Pellet hops. There you go. So that's that's the first. So, uh, and what alpha acid uh, Four, do we have? 4.2. 4.2. Pretty low. So now, uh, shall we look in my bag? Sure. Let's find out what you've got. Since... Uh, since we've we found out that 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 biscuit is okay, <laughs> uh, that's basically what I bought. It says victory on there, but it's basically the same thing, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's good stuff. Okay, but, okay, well there you go. And then um, I decided to get a little more exotic uh, than I've done in in the past on the base malt. It's not, you know, real exotic, I don't think. Belgian Pale Ale. Oh, that works that well for good. what I brought. Oh, okay. You're almost done here. And then I brought uh, hop plugs oh, to okay. play with. Uh, and I got, I just brought Cascade at 7.3% alpha acid. So I thought, thought we could play with the plugs. So, Casey? Well, I brought some two-row as well as my, as my base. I've got uh, four pounds of, of two-row. And then uh, Jason actually picked up some Munich for me, so add that too as some of my base malt. Okay. And um, for my other grains, um, I have some melanoidin. And some I think there's an ointment or a salve to help out with that. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I had the I had the melanoidin pretty uh, bad last year, but you know the doctor it, it goes you out. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> and I have some uh, dark German crystal. Oh, okay. So. And uh, for hops, I have Warrior Ooh. at 14.5% Good of acid. Wow. And I've got an ounce of those. Okay. And that's whole whole hops. Whole hops. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I've had people get angry at me for saying uh, whole leaf hops. Because it's right. technically They're not flowers. leaves. Right. It's the cones or the flowers. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> we, won't, we won't bug you on that one. <laughs> and then, uh, Brian. Uh, I brought... Four or five, I can't remember, I'll have to weigh it, uh, pounds of Belgian Pilsner. And I brought, for my specialty, I brought some German wheat. Mm. And then um, for my hops, I brought Ultra, which I've never brewed with before, but I'm looking forward to trying it. And those are about 2% alpha acid, so huh. they're actually pretty mild. Very good. All right, let's make a recipe. That's <laughs> that sounds good. And we'll come back. Once we had a chance to formulate a rough recipe, we headed to the carport to mill the grain. Get get a big snoot full of that grain dust there, Brian. Mm. It's, it's good for you. Look <laughs> <laughs> at brewer's lung here in no time at all. I'll give you some uh, oh, extra room in there. There we go. We've got an assembly line working here. Jason's now stepped up to uh, to pour into the hopper. And of course, the only one not working is is me. Of course, this is kind of work. I'm, I'm well, recording the event. Holding that recorder is a lot of work, James. I, I appreciate you doing that for us. Well, 
It's, it's heavy. Maybe, maybe I can fetch beer later. That'll yeah. be my job. Okay, we're back inside. Is that Coltrane that we're... Miles Davis. Miles Davis. Sorry, I just offended some jazz people out there, I'm sure. I could just record it over again yeah. and say, oh, is, that Miles is that Miles Davis? Davis? Yes, it is. <laughs> In fact, why don't we start all over again? Is that Miles Davis? No, that's John Coltrane. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, Casey is... Uh, uh, Casey's busy assembling the the mash ton, and that is a an igloo forty eight quart um, square yeah. cooler. I, I don't think I've ever seen one like that with a copper manifold in Ooh, the bottom. Yes, manifold. That's a nice. That's a nicer way of saying I uh, coiled some <laughs> copper up and hacksawed some slots into it. <laughs> it's a manifold. Well, technically, <laughs> would you guys not agree? Oh, it's that's one ma- mighty fine manifold. It looks kind of like a scorpion's tail mm-hmm. in the bottom there. And then once once we get it assembled, we'll be be ready to uh, mash. Can you hear stirring sounds? Yeah, <laughs> can you stir more loudly? We can't hear that. <laughs> Now we're, now we're here in your living room, and you're uh, got the got the mash ton going. We're almost twenty four out of twenty five. So we got one more quart of yeah. water to go in the mash ton. And is that the last of the grain? Yeah, twenty twenty five pounds of grain. So hopefully we make some big beer here. Yeah. If not, we're doing something really wrong. <laughs> and, and Brian's over there calculating our IBUs. I'm not a bean counter by nature, so I could totally mess this up. <laughs> We've got a graphic designer working on calculating the IBUs. Maybe we need to make the engineer do that. <laughs> Is there an engineer among the group? Yeah. <laughs> the engineer's making the labels, and then you got the. <laughs> so that that's looking pretty porridgey there. Yeah. Wonder what smells the, so nice. Wonder what the temperature is. We should find out. Let's see if our calculations on the temperature are anywhere close. Man, that's a big mash. Drum roll, please. If we hit it on the first try, um, I'm not going to be able to brew without you guys anymore. <laughs> I always go low. The thing about going low is you can always bring it up. That's true. We're high. Wait, it's I'm looking at the wrong. One forty. At one forty-five. But you know we're at we're at one quart of uh, water per pound, so we could add some yeah. boiling water and bring that up a little bit. Yeah. So actually, we're doing a two. We could do a two rest. Uh, we can call this sure. a two rest uh, That's, mash. I always start thinking I'm going to do a a single temperature mash, and it ends up being a step mash just because <laughs> I I hit low every time. <laughs> But that's not a big deal, and it smells so good. Mm-hmm. Now, while we were resting and the enzymes were converting our starches to sugar, I took the opportunity during a break in the action to ask Casey about his method of making all-grain starters. So, while the mash is happening, mm-hmm. this is our, our second temperature. We're, yeah. we're up to like 157 or 8. Seven. Yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. 156. So, so we're doing the... the 
second rest. Yeah. While we're doing that, I want to talk about your your technique for making a starter that apparently is innovative. And, uh, you know, if somebody else has done this, I'd like to get an email from them. But yeah, someone else who can claim, hey, this was my idea first. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, yeah. So, so this is... We're kind of calling it, you know, you, we've heard of mini mashes, right? And we're kind of calling this a teeny mash, or at least I think I think I started calling it a teeny mash. That's what a what did good you, term. What yeah. did you call it? Well, I'm just doing kind of like I wanted to do an all grain starter. I actually don't usually keep kind of dried malt extract on hand, which is usually the what people do kind of make their starter. Right. So just a really miniature sized mash, so that it can end up with about a quart of wort. For uh, for doing a starter, so that ends up being uh, four or five ounces of grain, and I mash in with uh, a cup or a cup and a half of water, and it's all in this little French press. So it's it's almost like you're making a beer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> an all grain beer. Uh huh. Um, so so take us through the process. You've got the French press coffee maker, and describe what that is for people who may not know what it is. Well, it's a it's a it's a glass uh, Be- beaker. It looks yeah, like a beaker. Yeah, a glass beaker, and then it has a a mesh uh, baffle, I guess you could call it, that you kind of press through. Typically with coffee, um, you press through, leaving the grounds at the bottom and the coffee on the top. You, and you, you just boil your grounds in the water, and at the end of it, you squish them down yeah. to the bottom. Yeah. Leaving the clear, hopefully, coffee mm-hmm. at, the, at the top. Yeah, that's it exactly. And I was making coffee one morning and thought, hey, I could do that with grain. <laughs> um, and so that's that's essentially what I do. Um, I mix the mix the grain in the water, and I actually typically set it in another like a saucepan full of full of water to kind of keep it warm because mm-hmm. on its own it, it cools down fairly quickly. Yeah, it's glass and there's no insulation. That's right. A good point. Right. So let it sit for an hour, and then add another uh, couple cups of water to mash out, <laughs> and then I press it, and I end up with uh, a quart of wort. I usually just boil it for half an hour or so. I typically don't hop my starters, and then I've got an all-grain uh, starter. So it's a little it's a little fussy, <laughs> but it, it works pretty well. And then it's kind of the fun of being able to say, "Hey, I actually all-grain." Even down to the starter. It's it's all grain from the very start to the to the end. Uh, what kind of feedback have you have you had from people who've, who've heard that you've done this? Um, well, <laughs> and some of those yeah. may be in the room. <laughs> Usually, it's wow, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm actually curious to hear what kind of like as your listeners hear it. Um, some of those who. Um, who might be looking specifically to, like, you know, if you're doing an original Pilsner and, and you're, you know, it's supposed to be a one-ingredient beer and mm. you don't want dried malt extract in there, um, yeah, just to be able to do a starter that in- includes your original ingredients, um, yeah. I, it, it seemed like a nice, a nice way that it, it really isn't, you don't really have to fuss with it too much once you start, um, so it only ends up being a little bit more work than doing it with dried malt extract. And... You know, home brewing is about the process, in my opinion. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been harvesting my yeast and, and washing my yeast, and somebody said, "Well, you know, yeast isn't that expensive. Why go to all the trouble?" Well, because you can. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's another part. It's another thing to do with brewing. It's another part of, of brewing. Uh, so, I mean, if you have fun doing this, it's so very true. 
Yeah. There's like, I, I think the more you kind of get into beer, the more you realize you're not doing this to save money. Um, just doing it for, for the love of making good beer. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of another little layer in that for me. Well, there you go. So, so Brian, have you, have you done the teeny mash yet? I've never done a yeast starter in my life, so <laughs> no. But I think it sounds like fun. I mean, I have a French press at home, and I, it's my favorite way of making coffee. And, and um, Casey's turned me over into the, into the, the teeny mash lifestyle as well. <laughs> so I, I, I like the idea. I think it's a great idea. And, I mean, it does save a little bit of money, I guess, but uh, for the more purist kind of aspect of it, I really like it. So. One, one more thought on, on kind of like getting your coffee press ready for, for making a, a teeny mash. There's, there's a lot of oils in the coffee, so kind of making sure you have a really good hot water rinse, maybe a little soap, but then making sure you rinse off the soap, but just to make sure you don't end up with a mash that ends up ruining the head of the rest of your beer. Mm, that's a good point. And unless you're making a coffee porter or something like that, you don't right. want the coffee flavor in Right. There. Yeah. So <laughs> I wonder if, if using something like PBW, Powder Brewer's Wash, um, to clean the French press ahead of time, hmm. just because that at least for cleaning my other materials, just really gets off all the gook and any residue and stuff. And uh, it's really low maintenance, too, so it might be worth trying. Whoa, Whoa that's an <laughs> interesting sound. You wanted noises. Now, now we have uh, we've done our mash, and we've sampled some good homebrew mm-hmm. and some good chili with some good homebrew in it. <laughs> and now we're, uh, what are we doing now? We're loudering. Yes. It looks nice and thick. Mm. We did a few uh, a few quarts of Vorloffing and uh, started coming out much clearer. So now now we're loudering. Is all of that going to fit in there? No. <laughs> <clears throat> we're not worried about that, though. We'll worry about that when it does get full. Yeah. <laughs> we'll and switch that pan when we come to it. And we're going to do a batch sparge. Yeah. So we'll drain yeah. all this out, and we'll fill it back up, stir it around a little bit, and mm-hmm. boil off again, and then drain it back out again. Yeah, Jason has his kettle that he's got full of heated water, and that's what we'll we'll use next for our next uh, sparge. Sparge, yeah. And what was our what was our target uh, original gravity going into the fermenter? We figure it will be like 1.106. That's correct. And what were the IBUs? Uh, our total IBU. It's going to be 87.35. Ah. <laughs> so fairly hoppy, but, you know. It's going to be pretty malty, too, so yeah. it'll be a good balance. Yeah, and a big beer. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're outside in the garage. We've got two boils going now, one inside, one outside. We just added the uh, the bittering hops. And what do we decide for the bittering hops? We went ahead and uh, got... I'm trying to remember exactly how much. It was uh, an ounce and a half of Warrior, mm-hmm. which are pretty high alpha acid hops. It's like 14.5 or something. Yes. So, percent. but and so they they upped our bit uh, our, our IBU quite a bit. But given how malty this beer is going to be, and just with the sheer quantity of of wort that we're boiling, it's not going to be a really super bitter beer. At least mm. that's not the plan. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Right. It's always an adventure with homebrewing. That's right. And we're kind of kind of eyeballed uh, 
how much each pot had in it, mm-hmm. and, and we still got to kind of figure out at the end how we're going to combine it all together. But right. Uh, we're hoping it boils down enough that we can fit it into at least one vessel before we separate the beer out. Yeah. Because we're doing it a, l- a little differently this time. We're not fermenting in one fermenter. We're splitting it out among each of the four blind mice to ferment on their own. So we're going to boil it down into a manageable quantity, cool it down, pitch it, and then divide it by four. Right. Well, don't forget aerating. Oh. We couldn't forget <laughs> That's that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but not hot side aeration. No, no, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> you, you and Casey have got a little discussion going on on hot side You could aeration. call it a discussion if you want, James, but uh, <laughs> we tend to be a bit of at odds. Uh, when, when hot side aeration was first brought up today, Casey was a little concerned about it. I said, oh, you mean the myth of hot side aeration? <laughs> and he kind of gave me a sneering look. <laughs> but uh, In fact, you were kind of splashing a little bit when you were pouring some wort from one uh, kettle to the other. And, and I could hear him cringing across the room. <laughs> so uh, I, I I was a little bit more mellow when I poured the poured the wort, and so he, he got a little more understandable. So it was, it was good. <laughs> Very good. Brian's doing a, doing a whirlpool. We've got, uh, we have uh, gone through all the, the hopping, and we've gone through all the boil, and we've cooled down both brew kettles of beer. Now we've got one above on the uh, stove and one below on the floor, and we are doing a whirlpool to kind of hopefully separate out some of the trube a bit. Mm-hmm. Whirlpool is a, a great tool for, it, it's very low-tech, Mm-hmm. And uh, you just kind of swirl it around and get a good swirl going, and then you just let it settle, and you've got a nice little cone of trube right in the center. The cone of trube. You gonna? Is that all you're gonna work? I usually go for a little you longer. Like more? Okay, you, you go for a little longer. And I think Casey. Casey, I don't know. I, I think he he's on the edge of being anti whirlpool. No, no, I wouldn't call it anti whirlpool. I just I just really haven't done this. Usually, once my once I've chilled. I siphon out with the chiller still in there, mm. so I kind of, you know, I'm taking the taking the temperature and making sure I'm down to a good temperature, and I swirl it around a little bit inside the immersion chiller, but nothing to the state of the vigorousness <laughs> that we're that we're doing here. And this would not be hot side aeration. No, it certainly would not. <laughs> we're below 80, so at this point, you know, the more air, the better. I think that's probably good. You got a good rapid whirlpool going there, and uh, you could see that you could see the bowling effect mm-hmm. of the of the the wort there. And Casey's also got a little uh, little kettle of water, little pan of water boiling there. Yeah, we're getting getting ready to uh, sanitize the uh, the air stone for ah. pumping some air into the wort. And you also use it for something else too. That was handy. Sign. Yeah. I like I stick the the end of the tube, the siphon siphoning tube in there, um, which makes it a lot easier to get over the end of the racking cane. Makes it more pliable. Yeah, yeah. And Jason, are you packing up? I am. I have to leave. Are you leaving? Well, it was good to meet you. Oh, thank you. And glad glad you could take part. And yeah, had a lot of fun. Tasted a lot of great beers. And and you'll get some of the beer later. Casey's going to take I care hope of you. So. Yeah, not going to leave you I hanging. Will make sure. <laughs> well, it was good to meet you. Nice meeting you. Okay, time has passed. We've we've started the siphon, and the uh, 
aeration stone is uh, happily boiling in the in the background. And pretty soon we're probably going to see the the cone cone of true start to mm, appear. Cone of true. Casey, have you ever seen the cone of true appear? No, I don't think I have. This would be oh, <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> Keep the too, end too busy looking for the cone of true. Yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not attention being paid to <laughs> siphon it. <laughs> wow, that's that's a lot of true in there. Of course, there's a lot of a lot of hops, a lot of whole yeah, hops. That's true. How many ounces did we end up with of of hops in this beer? Of whole hops, we ended up with seven and a half ounces of hops. Of hops. And uh, one, two of the two of those ounces were pellets. Okay. And then half of that is in this pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I I tend to favor the hop pellets over the the whole hops uh, because of this. I mean, if you see. Um, you know, I guess Casey and I, you and I both say that, you know, the whole hops, they really soak up a lot of the, oh, of, the man. of your beer. They sure do. And Brian, I think, weighs in on the liking the whole hops. And actually, I've kind of gone that way, too, even though I'm like, they are kind of inefficient, but... There's kind of a nice authenticity to using whole hops too, so mm-hmm. um, it, it just depends. Sometimes when I look, look down at the pot and I'm like, "Those things soaked up a gallon of my work," <laughs> then I'm not so happy. <laughs> well, I can certainly see why professional large-scale brewers, or even you know craft brewers and microbrewers, that they have to use pellet hops for the majority of their beers. I mean, we're, they're not dealing in ounces; they're dealing in hundreds of pounds. I mean, yeah, and not only are <clears throat> our whole hops less efficient in that they soak up so much true, but they're they're harder to get higher utilization out of, mm-hmm. and that makes that makes for a lot when you're ordering that many hops for you know so many barrels of beer that you're making. It's just uh, becomes pretty an expense issue as well. And if you're making a big like an IPA or something with a whole lot mm-hmm. of hops, it de- it depends on how big your kettle your is is going to be, whether you can fit them all in there. Once a year, Great Divide uh, makes a fresh hop brew that they uh, that they actually, right around the, the hop harvest, they order hundreds of pounds of hops, like wet off the vine. I mean, they're, they're, they're not even dried out yet. And they can only, and they're, you would think that would be like a great IPA that they make, but they can only fit so many pounds of hops in their giant brew kettles so they ended up they end up with a pail they end up with something around 55 IBUs and it ends up being a delicious fresh smelling and tasting beer but it's not super big cuz they just they can't make a big beer with that many with with whole hop flowers like that mm-hmm. now we're not we're not getting the cone of troop no i mean it might still be there it's just hiding underneath all the hop flowers <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking that that if we if we hadn't used all those whole hops, that we'd see more of a defined uh, cone of cone of trib. <laughs> so Casey is still skeptical about the whirlpool, <laughs> <laughs> but being polite about it, I think. Yeah, he is. He's very polite. Okay, we're down. We're down at the end. We've we've been uh, my little part of the beer has been. Aerating with the aquarium pump for a while now. How yeah, long? probably 30, 30 minutes or so. Really? I think. 
It's got a good head on it. Yeah, Beautiful, white, creamy head. Looks like a nice beer cappuccino. <laughs> and now we're going to pitch some yeast. you got a yeast starter yeah. there, an all-grain teeny mash that's starter. That's right. <laughs> with, uh, did you say London Ale yeast? Yeah, Y yeast 1028. So tell David Lawson, thanks for the good yeast. <laughs> <laughs> if it works. Right. <laughs> then maybe congratulating him, him a little in a couple soon. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll check back in a couple weeks. Which by the time this uh, pod this runs on the podcast, it you may yeah, it may be, be maybe that time. Mm, the sound of yeast starter flowing. Okay. Looks good. One and one to grow on. There That's we go. right. And we'll swirl that up and call it good. So this has been fun. This has been uh, my first combined brewing experience. Community brew? That's right. Yeah. And are we happy with the results? So far, so great. So yeah, it, yeah. It looks good. We tasted the wort. It tastes pretty good. It does, yeah. It tastes like lots of mold character. Lots, lots of hops. Of hops. <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe once yeah, once the yeast gets a chance to work on it, it'll balance will show yeah. up and it'll be good. So our, our our lessons for today, what have we learned? I learned about more about the French press teeny mash. <laughs> and I, I, I found the we used a, that siphon. Mm-hmm. And that the auto siphon. The auto siphon seemed to work pretty well. It worked especially well for getting it out of the brew pot. Yeah, we had it we had a challenge, as they say in the corporate world, with uh, with getting the wort out of the brew pots because of the tremendous amount of of uh, whole hops, right? But without yeah. the auto siphon, sucking that stuff out of there, we would have lost a lot more wort to the to the hops. I think. Yeah, I think I think so too. And I'm I'm certainly like going to try swirling, kind of getting the uh, getting the cone of trube. <laughs> and uh, I think especially with uh, with pellet hops, where sort of the the amount of sediment is a little bit more. Uh, compact. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely up for trying that one on future bu- brews. And and uh, we we are still unsettled on the hot, hot side aeration well debate. <laughs> it's good to have a little bit of tension. It keeps things interesting. And what and what was the other swirling controversy that we talked about? I don't remember another swirling controversy. Well, maybe that's good. <laughs> there, was, there was a controversy about what makes a stout a stout. Oh, that was oh, the one. Yeah. yeah, that was the one. I yeah. still vote roasted barley. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to side with one of the giants of, of specification, Randy Mosher, who says that roasted barley does make for a dry stout, but not necessarily stout. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So <laughs> one of those debates that will uh, continue on. Which, which, in yeah. friendly terms, though, right. of no course. bruises, no blood. Over the over yeah. the you know a good debate to be carried out over uh, a few pints. There you go. Yeah, there various you go. Gives, gives you some, something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. well, well, Brian, it was good to see you again. Thank you, person. James. It's good to brew with you. Yes. And and Jason in absentia. <laughs> Hopefully, he's listening to this now. And we, it was good to meet you too, Jason. And Jason had to go a little early. Right. And Casey, thank you so much for the use of your house. Oh, you are welcome. And thank uh, you so much for coming. Well, it was a blast. Good to have another blind mice. Yeah, uh-huh. blind mouse. Right.
and, and hopefully we can inspire other people to do the same. Yeah, indeed. And it would be really fun to hear what people come up with when, when and if they give this a try, too. There you go. And once again, I want to thank Casey, Brian, and Jason for letting me, and you for that matter, take part in their Blind Mice Brew. I also want to thank Casey's wife, Tracy, and Brian's wife, Anna, for being patient while we kind of took over the house, and for Tracy's being so brave to uh, let Casey mash in the living room over the carpet. (laughs) Now, the beer turned out a bit lighter in gravity than we planned. I think we figured out the original gravity going into the fermenter was uh, 1.078. I tested my share of the beer the other day, and it stands at uh, 10.15, or 1.015, giving it an apparent attenuation of about 81% and an alcohol by volume of around 8.8%. It tastes good so far, so I, I have high hopes for it. Casey says he's sending me some hops to uh, dry hop it before bottling. And for those interested in the teeny mash, here are the details from Casey. He starts his teeny mash with a quarter pound of base malt, and one to one and a half cups of water for his teeny mash. And Casey says he sparges to get a quart of wort at uh, 1.025 specific gravity, assuming 65% efficiency, he says. He says that since a small volume of wort uh, boils down fast, even with a 15 to 30 minute boil, he usually has to add another pint of water if he wants to end up with a quart at the end of the boil. Casey says he tries to get it close and then adds more boiled water if he needs to uh, further reduce the gravity a bit. Or Casey says he just assumes he's close enough, pitches the yeast, and relaxes with a homebrew. I think that's the best advice yet. Now, I'm putting a link uh, on basicbrewingradio.com to an insulated French press coffee maker that uh, I've personally got my eye on. I haven't tried it myself, but the customer reviews are good for it on Amazon.com. And remember, if you decide to click on the Amazon.com product listings or banner on the BBR site and make a purchase, a portion of your sale will go directly to this podcast. You you won't have to pay any more than if you uh, go directly to Amazon.com. And I appreciate very much those who have already made purchases on Amazon through my associate links. Well, next week I'm going to try to enlist the help of my buddy Steve Wilkes to go over your holiday wish list. Hint, hint, if we if we get some more in. And we'll do some uh, tasting of all-grain homebrews that were made with the same recipe, uh, but each had different variations in the process, and we'll see how each variation affected the end result. And I hope to taste the results of uh, my little experiment with adding extract at the end of the boil. Now, remember, if you have experience with brewing small batches of beer for playing with recipes and ingredients, I'm interested in hearing your experiences and tips, and uh, don't forget to email your holiday wish list to share on the show. If you have uh, brewing questions, show suggestions, or just want to say hey, write to james at basicbrewing.com or just fill out the contact form on basicbrewing.com. And please don't forget to tell us where you're from. And if you're wanting to get into home brewing, while you're on our site, you can check out our DVD, Basic Brewing Introduction to Extract Home Brewing. We'll walk you through the process step-by-step, and you can see a listing of the fine folks across the country who sell our DVD. And if there isn't a vendor in your area, you can order it online. Well, that's all until next week. Until then, thanks for listening. I'm James Spencer. Production help for Basic Brewing Radio and our website is provided by Kelly Dodson. Basic Brewing Radio is a production of Active Voicing.
We'll talk to you next time. So long.